0: Hello, this is Saul Luckman. It's my pleasure to welcome you to Conversations on Saul Luckman Uncensored, sponsored by snooze 2 resources for lucidity. For more information about my work, including a lot of inspiring and empowering free content, check out CrowRising.com. I'm also on Telegram where I'm sharing daily truth bombs at t.me slash Saul Luckman. Today, for the first time on the show, I have the privilege of interviewing one of the most salient COVID debunkers in the entire blogosphere, Mike Stone. I urge you to spend some quality time with his extraordinary work at Viraligy.com, and I'm going to spell that, V-I-R-O-L-I-E-G-Y.com. I'll also include the link in the show notes. Owing to his keen insight and gift as a writer, Mike has exploded onto the radar among the community of skeptics of not just the official, but even most alternative COVID narratives. Having been referenced by the likes of Dr. Tom Cowan and Dr. Sam Bailey, I've reblogged several of Mike's articles on snooze2awaken.com, including the case against viral genomes, documenting the virus lie, and the challenges related to RNA extraction for genome sequencing. Again, I will put these links in the show notes. This isn't light reading, folks, but it's essential reading for anyone interested in knowing the truth about the lies of virology. By way of further introduction, in Mike's own words, I am not a doctor, virologist, microbiologist, scientist, et cetera. Many will use this against me. My educational background is in health and exercise science. I have been a personal trainer, a nutritionist, and currently I am a health slash wellness coach. What I share here is based on years of research and reading from the original studies and sources. I will always do my best to provide the sources for where the information comes from. It's the single greatest advice I took from Kerry Mullis, the inventor of the PCR test currently being misused around the world. And and Mike uh, quotes uh, Kerry Mullis. I think it's simple logic. I need to get my Southern accent really on for this. It doesn't require that anyone have any specialized knowledge of the field. The fact is that if there were evidence that HIV causes AIDS, if anyone who was in fact a specialist in that area could write a review of the literature in which a number of scientific studies were cited that either single or as a group could support the hypothesis that HIV is the probable cause of AIDS, somebody would have written it. There's no paper, nor is there a review mentioning a number of papers that all taken together would support that statement. So thanks so much for joining me today, Mike. How are you getting along in this never-ending, quote-unquote, uh, pandemic?
1: Well, thank you for having me. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm getting along. It's uh, kept me busy, that's for sure. Just trying to keep up with uh, the narrative, the constant flip-flopping narrative. But um, it's uh, we're getting there. It's funny, you know, I'm a writer and
0: of a fiction, a nonfiction, and humor, and, you know, I studied writing, I studied literature, I taught literature, and I have a hard time even calling what we're being fed a narrative, because a narrative is supposed to make sense, and this one has not made sense from the very beginning, and your blog is one of the most uh, effective written tools I've seen on the internet for showing just how many lies and um and absurdities are woven into this this quote-unquote narrative so i really want to just thank you for taking the time to do this i know it's probably mostly a labor of love and necessity because lord knows we don't make any money doing this and sharing this information
1: right yeah it well thank you thank you those are uh for the kind words and and all your support um it's uh yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. I, I wasn't expecting to, to be doing this. Um, but I it got to a point where I just felt like I could not uh, keep this information. You, know, you, you can do so much research. And it's great to have the knowledge for yourself. But it doesn't do anyone else any good if you're just sitting on it. Um, and so uh, I felt compelled to be to be able to put that out there to share what I've come across, what I've learned. Um, And uh, it started off with uh, just doing Facebook posts and um, doing some uh, uh, writing and research there. Uh, But for obvious reasons, Facebook has not been very fond of the posts. So uh, I got quite a few uh, bans and censorship from them. And it just kind of forced me to uh, find another avenue. And that's, that's where the blog came from about I think it's been a little, about a half a year that I've been doing the blog. Wow, because there's so an it's,
0: amazing amount of content. I mean, you would assume that you were just a professional writer. You're churning out so much stuff, several articles a week, right? Uh, two or three anyway, it seems to me.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, I think it's been about um, every other day. Um, I a lot, A lot of it is uh, articles that, like I said, I'd put on Facebook previously. And so I, I've just been going through and um updating a lot of that research adding um some new stuff that i've uncovered since then and um just uh trying to present it in the best way possible um and then uh i've been doing some you know new posts here and there as well so it's just uh uh it's like i said it's kept me busy but you know i i feel blessed that it's put me down this path because um, a lot of people have reached out and said that the work has been very meaningful for them. It's, it's helped to open them up to the, um, the lives that we've been sold throughout this pandemic and even, you know, for last century. So, um, I'm you know, it, it's, it's good to know that it's making a, a difference in, in some people's lives. You know, you could, you could compile
0: these articles into a book and just call it been, and with some kind of subtitle. It would be very effective.
1: Yeah. I've had, I've had quite a few people tell me to do that. Um, it, it's kind of, I, I I'm, I, I guess I'm inching towards there. I'm slowly making my way. Um, like originally it was, like, everyone's like, well, you got to do a blog, gotta do the blog, do the blog, do the blog. And so I kept, uh, um, kind of procrastinating until it got to a point where I couldn't uh, procrastinate more because I just could not really share every everything I was sharing, especially if I did anything on the PCR test. If I wrote an article about PCR, I was basically immediate banning. Um, obviously, anything that you write about the vaccines, they ban you for that too. Um, and so just by necessity, it became, I was like, you know what, I, everyone's telling me to do it. I, I'm not the most technologically um, sound person. So I just, I was like, I don't even know where to begin, but some friends helped me figure it out and uh, just kind of took from there. So eventually, uh, you know, I'm sure there's going to get to a point where I'm like, you know what, I need to do some, get a get a book out there or something. Yeah,
0: that would be great. I mean, I was just thinking about ways for getting your message out there to a larger audience. And I know that's that's one of the things that we all, Uh, really want in this sphere i don't know if you have been well for example on my on solok uncensored on spotify or on anchor for example there's an option for taking text or audio or video and plugging it into your podcast and it will just render it as a reading an audio really Yeah, and it'll even give you a button that you can post back on your blog post if someone would prefer to go and just listen to it.
1: Oh, wow. So Uh, it doesn't
0: doesn't require you recording it or anything like that. It's just it takes almost no time to make it happen. And it won't be perfect because it's a it's a it's an app. It's a it's a voice voice, but it's decent. And for people who are on the go and who are really in that audiobook world these days, it's Perfect. And I think it would double your audience right there because people could share an audio link in a heartbeat.
1: Yeah, that's actually an awesome idea, Um, because that's the thing Um, I've had uh, people suggest that I do YouTube videos um, and things like that. And I just uh, unless there's a way that I felt like you can condense that information um, and uh, really, you know, make it uh, interesting to people. I just, I, I figured with the blog, it's easier. They can take the time and read it when they want to. Um, they're, you know, people are doing great job like Dr. Bailey, like you had mentioned, Dr. Cowan, Dr. Kaufman are doing great job with their YouTube videos and getting stuff out there. But um, yeah, any, any Avenue and you know, there's other um, ways that I would, I'm open to uh, looking into uh, getting this information out there. So that's an awesome idea.
0: Well, I think you're so talented as a writer, and your research is so copious and sound that you're you, you're in your niche at the moment. I mean, you might be great at other things, but you, this particular niche is is a little bit of um, I would say it's a weakness in the entire skeptic community where the COVID narrative is concerned. And you're you're filling that and helping fill that. There's also, um, you know, there's another blog out there called Humanely, you may be aware of. I'm going to be in yeah of yeah. uh, the uh, creator of that blog, and in, in coming weeks, and um, so there's well, there, you know there's a few of you out there who are really starting to look at this in a scholarly manner, and, and for those people who really need the the links and the evidence and the references, kind of you know out the wazoo, and that's that's great. You know, not everyone everybody needs that, but there are people who really need that, and I'm glad you're doing it. I was just going to let people know and let you know, um, referencing this, so anchor.fm slash saul hyphen luckman that's saul luckman uncensored on on anchor and you can create a free platform on that and go in and you just hit a button to create a a new episode and it will just turn your blog into into a text because you've got a wordpress blog because i follow yes so it should you jump somewhere in your wordpress interface you can go in and connect it to your anchor And then literally every new blog that you create will show up in your anchor as an option to turn into a podcast.
1: Oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. I I would love a link for that. That'd be great. I know you just said it, but I'll, I'll, go through well, and like email that. me if you
0: need that or whatever i'll be happy to get get you that and if i can if you need any technical support i can at least ask around so i just think that would be very helpful because i'm i'm in the process i'm just about to release a an audio my first audio book my first real audio book of this novel i wrote last year was the a pandemic novel that actually came through in 2019 started coming through before all of this hit so i was writing about oh, wow, all of this craziness and the, the jack scene <laughs> i called them jack scenes just, just to avoid censorship even before the heavy censorship started i i just saw it coming so anyway it's a kind of a dystopian novel about where all this goes if we don't fix you know what's happening here but i'm very excited that 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 audiobook is coming out because it's becoming incredibly apparent to me just how we're turning into a kind of listening non non written culture in many ways it's just incredible what's happening uh more and more people okay. are going that direction which i i lament somewhat as a as a writer i feel like you know the written word is getting really watered down and and uh you know it's falling into disuse
1: sadly yeah i i think so i mean i think that's one of the biggest thing or issues is that people just don't have i don't know if they don't have the time they just don't have the desire to, to, you know, read, do the research and um, really validate if the information that they're being presented is, you know, truthful. And, um, and it's, it's sad, it's kind of becoming a lost art, but uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of work. You you know, it it can be done. That's why I put that information in my biography out there. I'm not a, you know, I was no expert. I didn't go to school for this, but I was able to figure out what they're talking about. I was able to learn their methods, uh, you know, understand the cell culture method, understand what they're doing with the genomes and things like that. It's not, it doesn't take um, any sort of, that's why that Mullis quote really spoke to me. It doesn't take a lot of, um, you know, expertise or or, um, any sort of special skill set or knowledge to learn this stuff. Anyone can do it. It's just, you have to be willing to put a little bit of time into it and, and, um, and uh, then you'll be able to figure it out and, see these things coming a mile away yeah and he was also wonderful because he was just approachable in a lot
0: of ways he he didn't he didn't come across as this hyper intellectual scientist i don't know if you've ever read any of celia farber's articles that uh, were shared. yes and so i mean they were like buddies and and she really felt welcomed by him and she he was happy to answer her questions in great depth and you know what a what a resource and i, I you know, I'm a little bit of a conspiracy guy, and I find it strange that he died right before the, the this whole thing started because he would have yeah. done in a heartbeat. But I mean, I, I mean, he would have done everything possible to let people know that this that this use of the PCR test outside of a uh, uh, a laboratory usage as a diagnostic tool is is a, a, is just a total absurdity.
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, just from the little bit that he did speak out on it, you could tell that he was against the way that they were um, using PCR. I think he said it wasn't a, like it wasn't technically a misuse, but the fact that people were trying to interpret that uh, the results were giving them, you know, or saying anything about, uh, you know, potentially uh, finding something that is causing illness or, or that they're sick it it wasn't it was basically those, those results are meaningless. You can't use it as a diagnostic tool. And so I, I agree with you. If he had been around during all this, you know, I don't believe the PCR would have been uh, able to be used the way it's been used throughout.
0: It would have been a lot harder to ignore, to ignore the inventor, I believe. I mean, they might've been able to do it. But I just, uh, I think it would have made their, their plan less viable.
1: Yeah. Cause I, I mean, He's been, uh, just just from the quotes that people have been sharing, I mean, I think uh, his words have helped. It helped me when I was first researching this to um, really start to challenge the HIV AIDS narrative. Um, and so I'm sure there's other people in that same boat that when they look that the guy who, you know, invented the method, uh, he's speaking out saying that the, the evidence isn't there uh, and that you can't use... PCR, you shouldn't be using it in that sense. Um, I, I believe his words have helped others throughout this pandemic um, to to understand that what we're being told is not exactly, uh, you know, truthful.
0: Well, let me let me ask you, Mike, if if I could put you on the spot ever so slightly, yeah. uh, could you could you distill um, what? The, your take on the missing evidence for the existence of contagious viruses in general, and maybe specifically where SARS-CoV-2, the alleged virus that causes "quote unquote" COVID, where is that? Where is why is that? Why is that not really scientifically substantiated? Because you, that's really kind of the focus of your work, that I, as as far as I can tell, is really looking at where the science breaks down in proving the existence of this contagious virus.
1: Right. I think uh, for me, it just starts off with the very premise. I mean, they never found. Uh, you know, they came up with the idea of a virus first before they ever found a virus. You know, they 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 just assumed. When they couldn't prove uh, bacteria was a cause of every single disease, they assumed there must have been something smaller that was going through the filters that they could um, blame for uh, various diseases. And so um, they created the concept of a virus before they actually, I mean, they've never found a virus, but, you know, they've, they've created the concept or the idea that these things exist and then tried to find the evidence. They went out and started looking and trying to create this evidence that these things were real. So that's um, um, historical context. We're talking, about, we're talking about the
0: 1800s here still, right? I mean, this yeah. is a long time ago because the initial uh, etymology of virus is poison. Right. And it, initially, yep. it didn't mean some little microbe or uh, living or half-living critter necessarily. It was The idea was that it was a noxious substance.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why, you know, I believe it was with, um, Coke, uh, you know, working with bacteria, um, same with Pasteur. they were looking, uh, for microbes or, or, you know, bacteria as a, as a poison, something that was causing people to get disease, but they, even in, in their studies, I mean, I haven't really delved into bacteria as much as I would like to, but just from a little bit that I have looked, um, uh, they were very unsuccessful in proving that uh, the bacteria they were working with was actually causing disease. And so that's why it veered off, I believe, in like the 19, uh, 1920s, 1930s, around there. That's when they started looking more. I mean, they were assuming viruses existed, but they, they were trying to find uh, these particles um, and they were unsuccessful. And that was the Ender's experiments, or, or the things that the led Ender's to experiments. experiments those came in yeah, wondering. that came later, yeah, in the 1950s. That one. So, so that line of thinking kind of led up to Ender's work. Exactly. Yeah, they they assumed these things existed. Um, I mean, even when the electron microscope came out in the, the early 30s, they still couldn't find those particles. Um, Ender's was just successful in... Uh, creating the the cell culture technique so that they could um, get images of particles that they could claim were viruses. Uh, you know, they what through um, cell cultures they basically um, broke down the cells into tinier and tinier particles, and um, then claimed that that was already within the sample uh, versus a creation from the process, which. Even Anders himself said, you know, that they could not uh, completely say that there were other un- unknown factors that could have been causing this, um, these this breakdown. Right. And the images
0: they're getting also, you know, could very well be artifacts. And that was acknowledged, I think, by mm-hmm. him as well or by, by someone in that time period that, that that was brought up as a possibility that artifacts uh, could be involved and. You know, I don't know what they I never know exactly who my audience is because I do a lot of different things. But in this case, an artifact is the something that is produced by the process, not something that natively exists in the culture being examined. Is that a fair definition of an artifact? Oh, yeah. Produced by the process. Absolutely. What we found, but we actually created it. that's an artifact.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and, then I have Dr. Harold Hillman. Are you familiar with his work? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I I still would like to delve into his more, but uh, just from the little I have, he was able to show that these were uh, primarily artifacts. And um, just just through the process that they go through dehydration, um, you know, the fixing, embedding, staining, all these things take you know the tissue that we're working with isn't alive and and when you put it through the electron microscope it's going to kill it anyways even if it were but it's already been altered so many in so many ways that there's no way they can say that what their images imaging reflected reality or what they took at the beginning so it's um you know it's it's just every step of the process that they do to that sample takes it further and further and further away from reality. And so uh, that's why for me, that's where the evidence is lacking. They aren't going and taking a sample like a lung fluid or, you know, mucus or or saliva or blood from a person and then finding those particles within that fluid immediately, they're subjecting it to all sorts of other uh, contaminants, uh, chemicals, you know, animal blood, uh, antibiotics antifungals all these different various substance substances in order to create or get the result that they want they're not going to the source and getting it directly from it if that makes sense i don't know that, if i explain that
0: absolutely that. makes sense i was reading on your on your blog today you know uh the um, the case against viral genomes i mean you you opened up the the article by saying i've come across quite a few people who seem to believe that the existence of viral genomes and viral RNA sequences somehow proves the existence of viruses. One person even believed that the genome was a representation of purified slash isolated viruses. Disregarding the fact that random ACTGs that exist only inside a computer database is at best indirect evidence, there is no direct evidence of a physical entity called a virus. The genomes said to belong to viruses are never sequenced from purified slash isolated particles taken from the samples directly from a sick person. They are either sequenced from unpurified bodily fluids containing many sources of hosts and other non-viral microorganisms, or they are taken from unpurified cell cultures, which contain numerous sources of foreign contaminants. You know, it makes me think yeah. of, uh, you know, oceans, one of those oceans movies, you know, enough said. <laughs> You know, that, that's, like, I mean, that is really on the money. So, and there you're reintroducing another, another problem in all of this, which is the sequencing thing and all this de novo yeah. in silico sequencing. Could you, could you speak about that in relation to this lack
1: of proof uh, problem with viruses? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, um, it's not direct proof. I think that's the biggest thing is that they, they've found, they've found all these, you know, indirect ways, um, to try and infer that a virus exists, whether it's through, um, you know, the cytopathicogenic effect in the cell culture, uh, trying to claim that that was caused by a virus, or they'll, they'll use antibodies and say, well, those antibodies prove that a virus is there, or, uh, the genome. So the genome, you know, it's just a theoretical concept. They're, they're, again, it's one of those things where with the, the electron microscopes, you're taking the sample and putting it through so many steps, so many alterca- altercations throughout the process that there's no way that you can say that it reflects what was originally taken. And that's kind of how I look at the genome. They're um, taking a sample, um, at least... So in the case of SARS-CoV-2, they took it straight from the fluid of one person, right? Um, they didn't separate the virus, the, the so called virus from those fluids, they basically sequenced everything that was in this person's lung fluid. And then they tried to piece together a genome for a virus they would never seen straight from those fluids, um, which uh, I've uncovered the World Health Organization documents saying that when you do that, when you do the, they call it metagenomic sequencing. Correct. Um, that they're going to have a whole bunch of host DNA within that C se- that's going to get sequenced also. So They'll they're have admitting that. what's that? You're admitting the contaminant exactly. problem. Yeah, exactly. The, you, there's no way you can separate that. It's there's, it's going to be in there. You're going to have host DNA. You're going to have bacterial DNA. You're going to have all sorts of unknown organisms within there. And so for them to say that they then know that this specific sequence that they created from that fluid came from one source that there would be no way no realistic way for them to be able to say that um and so the genome you know it's just like i just look at it as it's just a frankenstein cobbled together um from a mixed source using computer algorithms uh and um uh, consensus sequencing uh and what they do too is they use reference genomes from other Viruses, like in this case, they used you know the older coronaviruses, or they used the bat coronavirus, and they're created in the exact same way, you know. So they're not coming from purified sources. They're they're not taking these genomes straight from uh, something that they can show physically exists. They're taking it from these unpurified sources and uh, putting it through this process and and shooting at a theoretical genome and saying that's what it is. So they're using a figment to justify the existence of a figment. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, use one fictional uh, theoretical model to try and prove another one. It's so the circular yeah. reasoning is kind of
0: off the charts. I mean, what are do you yeah. think they're doing? Here? I know I know that I know that a lot of people don't want to ascribe intention or motives to to people, especially not groups of people, but It's safe to say that whatever virologists are doing, it's not science. What is it? What is the motivation behind it? Why is it here? I mean, I have a lot of very deep and dark thoughts on this subject, but I would love to know just your honest appreciation of how science could go so off that you could smell it a mile away.
1: Well, I think, at least for virology, you have to look back at uh, who funded it, you know, who who started this process and who set up our bing, medical bing, system. Bing, 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 bing. Um, yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, the Rockefellers, you, you just have to look at that money and you can see, I mean, they set up the institutions. They, they are the ones who are um, probably, you know, primarily creating disease with their products and things like that. So uh, it allowed them to, to gain a lot of control and it allowed them to cover up they the, the um, damaging effects of, of their uh, products and so um i believe that's a big part of why you know they had so much control in how the educational system was set up and how um uh, someone who goes through medical school what they learn and and what what they're taught and you know the the their uh, the journals and everything that they set up uh they These pharmaceutical companies basically control, um, you know, they control the media, they control the journals, they control um, what is said and and everything. So it's it's to me it's uh, it's easy to see how someone who might go in with honest intentions can easily become indoctrinated and not really question what they're being taught, um, you know, whether they're really applying the scientific method or not. Uh, based on uh, just looking at the foundations of how the, the whole system was set up in the early 1900s.
0: Now, I know that there are a lot of stupid people and a lot of them are so-called scientists, but I, I cannot bring myself to believe that everyone working in those labs doesn't have doubts about the uh, scientific validity of the methodology. Uh, I some of them are intelligent and have some level of self awareness and circumspection. So I feel I feel like um, there are going to be those indoctrinated people who just just really don't get it, and maybe they're not the brightest uh, the brightest uh, among us. And then there are other people who really are um, kind of um, living a lie with what they're doing. Is that is that something that you would agree with?
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I think uh, I for me, I definitely believe that, the you know, the people higher up have to know what's going on. Um, I think they obviously know that there's no real science going on and, um, you know, they could have been put in those positions. I don't want to get too far into how you know, conspiracy. Right. But, right. Of course. You know, uh, I believe there are uh, people like the Fauci's and stuff like that that are, are uh, set up for these positions for a reason um but uh you know i've heard some other people um i i think it was dr lanka who said that you know he can't go around naming names but there are people that come to him that are within that field that um agree that not everything's right or or you know they 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 just can't speak out because of the um losing the uh you know the funding or um losing the you know prestige and things like that and so um it's unfortunate because you would hope that they would be uh, at a point where they if they saw the problems that they would be able to speak out about them but you know that's the sad thing is when you look at someone like dr lanka who put a lot on the line to get this information out there and how much he's been ridiculed and um you know his name has been uh put through the mud so to speak in, in a lot of uh ways and so um but I, I do believe there are people out there that know that things aren't what they are supposed to be uh, or that they're they're not really performing science in the way that it's supposed to be, you know, following the scientific method. Um, but uh, I just think a lot of them either are too comfortable or they're they're too afraid to speak out. Well, that's well and truly stated. I, I
0: I like the way you put that. I wanted to uh, just I wanted to come back around to Lanka and his experiments that he's been doing because yeah. that's really important. But just to let everybody know, on, on my blog, soon is to awaken. I published an article by uh, uh, John Rappaport last year called "Rejecting Rockefeller Germ Theory Once and for All." And uh, I just wanted to read just a, a little bit of it because it really speaks to what you know might be at the very root of the scientific paradigm and the problem that we're facing with virology and biology. And so John writes, the entire tragic, criminal, murderous, stupid, farcical COVID fraud is based on 100 years of Rockefeller Medicine, a pharmaceutical tyranny in which the enduring headline is one disease, one germ. That's the motto engraved on the gate of the medical cartel. Thousands of so-called separate diseases, each caused by an individual germ. And it goes on and on from there. Uh, you know, So he's really looking at that issue. I, I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well so people can can uh, get onto John's work. If you're not familiar with his stuff, it's, it's really pretty good and, and far-reaching.
1: Yeah, he's, uh, he's one of my favorite investigative reporters. He, he's excellent. And yeah, he, he's been. One he was nominated
0: for a Pulitzer, I believe, back in the day when when that maybe had some meaning.
1: Yeah, well, he would have deserved it because his his reporting's been amazing. You know, he's. I, I'm assuming you followed his work throughout this. Um, this oh whole, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been spot on, um, and and a lot of times ahead of uh, people as far as uh, calling out a lot of the um, stuff going on. So yeah, I I follow his his blog quite a bit. Well, he wrote a book called AIDS Incorporated going back to the, the
0: whole HIV yeah. parts, that scam. Yeah. All the-
1: that's the thing. You can see a lot of the same playbook being used today just off of the HIV AIDS scam. Yeah. He was instrumental in helping to, uh, to bring about the, the realization of uh, what they were doing back then. I, unfortunately I haven't read his book yet. I, it's on my list of things that I need to get to, but. Um, yeah, he, he was definitely a, a big part of helping to wake up a lot of people um, as far as, uh, you know, showing that there is no evidence uh, for the HIV equals AIDS hypothesis that just doesn't exist. And instead, it's this massive
0: cartel of contr- money and control. And, and that was the whole AIDS incorporated thing, you know, where he was just showing that whatever the motivations were, they were not scientific. Exactly. Yeah. So, so in terms of Lonca's work, this is Stefan Lonca, a German. I've called him, you know, jokingly a, a
1: recovering virologist. <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good way. I know. Yeah, I've heard he doesn't like being called a virologist, but right. You know, I think for for people that you know might be new to his work, it, it might lend some credibility. Oh my gosh, there is a virologist, you know, speaking out against this. So. Well, he's also
0: kind of famous because it was it was Lanka who won a very, a very uh, I, I would like to call it a kind of landmark case in the German court system where where he basically showed that there that the existence of the measles virus had never been proven. And yeah. this, this was allowed to happen because in that court system, especially at that time, they had a rigorous, they had very rigorous standards for proving something of a scientific nature. And so he basically forced the establishment to admit that they had never proven the existence
1: of the measles virus. <laughs> you know about that, right? I mean, that's great. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was great. There, there was a, a really good um, blog I read about it. Um, I can't remember that. felly. Oh, I can't remember the person's name, but she went uh, through and uh, detailed a lot of the, the, uh, court proceedings and, and what went on. And yeah, I mean, I think, uh, he, uh, to me, that was one of the, the fundamental things that Lanka showed was that if they're going to claim, uh, these viruses exist, it's sh- that evidence should be available in the original paper, you know, that, that it should all be right there. You can't go decades down the road, numerous papers, and then say, yeah, All of these, you know, I think um, Barden's tried to throw out six different papers uh, attempting to prove the the measles virus exists and and taking a little bit from each one. But those are, you know, done throughout, uh, I think, like 30 or 40 years. You can't just say, take all these different papers and say that that there is the proof for measles when the original publication doesn't have that proof. You know, the first one saying, hey, here's a measles virus it doesn't have the necessary evidence to to definitively prove that there's a measles virus then then what is it talking about right again a little thing called science you know
0: which actually does have rules and they were codified and they worked really well in many areas for a very long time until they started breaking down in the biological sciences i mean i would argue that science has always had problems in certain areas but i don't i'm not aware of a kind of meltdown like we're having in the biological sciences right now uh, previously and and you know i'm I w- i'm aware that the speed of light has been shown not to be constant and all of this other stuff but i'm just saying this one has led to lockdowns and destruction and deadly jabs and everything and and possibly even wars now with all of this ukraine biolab stuff which i do want to get to but before we get off of sure. uh, off of blanca um, there's a blog on uh, snooze2awaken.com. The end of virology, Dr. Stefan Lanka, on the third phase of his controls ex- control experiments for SARS-CoV-2. And so, this is um, written by someone named Kate Sugak, and she said during the first phase, Dr. Lanka showed that what vi- virologists attribute to the presence of a pathogenic virus, the death of cells in test tubes, can be achieved without the use of any infectious material because the techniques that they use is ki- are killing the cells on their own. A very detailed and simple video, blah blah blah. And then in the second phase, Lanka showed that what virologists call viral genetic material in reality comes from healthy human tissue. And then in the third phase, Lanka is showing that by applying the same technique that virologists use, you can, which involves this PCR technology, you can construct uh, and uh, involves the t- PCR technology and the the in genome uh, the the, uh, the uh, in silico uh, genome sequencing, you can construct the genome, quote unquote, of any virus you want. (laughs) So you can start with nothing, take little (laughs) RNA fragments floating around in the soup, spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it and spin it. And and you can do it in such a way that eventually you'll come up with, if you want to come up with it, you can can dial in SARS-CoV-2 as a coronavirus.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's going to be really uh, eye-opening. I mean, it's already eye-opening, but, it, you know, once that, once he gets that information out there, you know, it should, uh, you know, in theory be enough to, to shut the, you know, door on virology, but um, sadly people will still no, not these masters They're going to la la lie, lie, lie. Oh, exactly. And that, that's a sad thing. And, and so, you know, but his work is, definitely uh monumental and in, in, in showing that their methods um if they were to use the proper controls it would disprove their own methods you know and right. i think that's the the biggest thing that lanka is doing is, is basically tearing tearing their methods down and, and one of the bad things for process. me is that if if they did that and they really had
0: truth as a mandate And if they wanted our medical sciences to improve so that we could cure anything, then they would embrace the failure of one model and reorient and reinvest into what's actually happening. And I think it's much closer to the terrain concept like in Dr. Andrew Kaufman's new film. It's, even if that's not the definitive take on what's going on, it's a good, it's about as good of models we have right now for what's happening and just in my opinion. But we don't have that. Yeah. We, we don't have them admitting the, the, uh, the mistake and moving in a different direction. They're like politicians doubling down on their lies because they have an agenda. There's obviously an agenda and there are agendas, uh, you know, within agendas. So it's a it's kind of a sad okay. state. And it, it's hard to even know what it will take to break through that, because now I believe we have this kind of metastasis of the lie happening with the bio labs in Ukraine right i mean you listen to all these alternative people david x22 report and everybody out there just that's a biolab 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 just incredible and they just can't seem to understand that maybe they were they were doing other things besides constructing viruses in those bio labs maybe they were creating poisons or toxins or weird proteins like spike proteins and they were using viruses as a kind of um Smoke screen to hide behind. Don Lester and I. She she was co author of. A, she's co author of yeah. who makes you ill. We just had a conversation last week about this exact subject, and she's like, oh, that, you know, that's very plausible. What you're saying is very plausible. They could have had a kind of two tiered compartmentalized structure. Um, and but uh, you know everyone's just looking at the virus and the Wuhan thing and the emergence of this, you know, the situation from bats or whatever. It's absolutely crazy. Even like today, uh, there was uh, one of the alternative journalists out there, Benjamin Fulford, who used to be the uh like the pacific director of forbes magazine or something like that you know like a real journalist and he's been a conspiracy journalist for a long time but he didn't come out of nowhere you know what i'm trying to say so he has a pretty big follower so this guy is supposed to be doing investigative journalism and so but he gets into um you know um Even those $1 still under the mafia's control, the world mafia, are also in open revolt against their overlords. That's because the Chinese foreign ministry and the Russian foreign ministry have sent proof to the military and intelligence agencies that the KM and their so-called Biden regime in the U.S. have set up 336 biological weapons laboratories around the world that have been releasing deadly pathogens in an attempt to murder most of humanity. And of course, it goes on to say that they're being engineered for specific populations so we can take out the Slavic people or Asian people or whatever. And it's all just... Pure science fiction. What, what do you think about all of that? I mean, I, I I know sort of what you might think, but I would love to hear your expanded thoughts.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, for lack of a better term, it's basically just fear porn. You know, they're uh, throwing out um, what I consider another red herring to keep people from the truth, and 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 not only from the truth, but also uh, stuck in the virus lie. You know, if you believe that they're able to engineer and create these viruses then you're uh still gonna have that belief that these viruses can exist in some form um the bioweapon i I think kind of like what you said it it could be a cover for what they were doing with the vaccines how they're able to have them you know available and ready within a few months of this thing even happening and so um they're not going to tell us exactly what they're what they're doing or what they're funding or what that funding is going towards. If it's going towards anything at all, it could just the whole thing could just be a smokescreen. I don't think we can know. But the one thing we do know is that um, they've never proven scientifically that viruses exist. And, um, you know, for them to then go through all this trouble to try and create something that they've never proven to exist, just it's not very logical. Um, And so to me, it's just uh, a lot of these people are, are it's kind of like once um, the vaccine shedding, I, I, I'm sure you're aware of that when they're, the people are getting um, vaccinated and then people that were uh, in the truth community were starting to talk about, uh, you have to stay away from anyone who's vaccinated because they're going to shed the MRA spike onto you and that's going to get you sick. And, and I'm like, that's just another way of uh, trying to um, peddle the, the contagion myth you know, that, that you can catch something from someone. There's no proof of that. There's no studies showing that anyone can catch anyone, anything from anyone else. So uh, believing that these vaccines or are, are people are shedding something to someone else and getting them sick is just ridiculous in my opinion as well. Or at least there's no evidence for it. So I think they throw out these stories, whether it's the, the gain of function, the bio weapons, the vaccine shedding and stuff like that to keep people Still in the loop, in that sort of that um, virus lie, um, still believing in it. I think in my opinion, I think you're exactly right. Well, well said too.
0: So, what do you think about um, what do you think about mRNA and you know the fact that? Uh, well, let me let me back up and punt for just a second. You've got sure you've got all of these papers being released, all of these documents, patents of all of this stuff. What's going on with all that if it doesn't exist? I'm sure you've had this question
1: yeah actually i i don't know i i wish i could say i don't i don't know um i mean they can patent a lot of things i don't know there's patents out there for for inventions that never see the light of day you know uh as long as you have like an idea it seems like you can almost uh find a way to patent it yeah i Um, did research
0: on this topic and and you can patent an idea under specific circumstances, not just any idea, but there are specific criteria right. that will allow you to legally patent a pure idea.
1: Yeah, and so, I mean, that's that's why I don't put too much stock in that. Um, uh, I think they would have to prove that something like an MRA exists and that it functions in the way that they say that it does. You know, those are all still uh, pretty much just theories. They, they can't, ob- you know, they can't observe mRNA going into someone and creating a spike protein and uh, any of that stuff. So it's um, to me again, it's just another story that they're selling. Um, Whether or not uh, what they're creating even contains what they say it does, we we can't be certain. Um, We can. The only thing I know is I wouldn't want that stuff injected. Whatever it is they're making, I I would not want it injected directly into me. And um, I think the various reports of the adverse events, the uh, dangerous reactions people are having are, are just proof enough that these things, whatever is in there is toxic. Whether it does what they say they do, we can't verify that, we can't prove it, but we can prove uh, at least to an extent that they are dangerous. Right, right.
0: You know, it's it's been very uh, hard to make heads or tails out of some of the behavior out there because you have what I would consider to be just absolute you know bad guys like the fauci's and that sort of thing people who are unequivocally that way and then there are people that you know i consider to be absolute good guys in the main not perfect of course but but really fighting the good fight and that's that's people like yourself and dr cowan and other people along those lines and then there are people like dr robert malone mm. and here he is supposedly the mrna technology creator who was responsible for a lot of this vaccine technology. And, you know, so that's, what's harming all these people. And then I don't know if he had a come to Jesus moment or what happened to him. And he's out there trying to warn people about all of this while still maintaining the contagion myth, like, like nobody's business. Like he is one of the biggest peer leaders for the contagious concept out there, but he has the ear of all of the alternative media and all these people who are frankly not educated in this topic enough to know that they're being bullshit. So, I mean, it's right. an unfortunate situation, and I don't I don't see how to get out of this. What I would just call almost like a clusterfuck. It's just it's just too many things going wrong at one time to sort it all out.
1: Yeah, I think they're propping up these experts. Um, you know, putting them out there in the position where they can, almost like, and I, I don't want to you know single them out or anything like that. But I I'm, and I'm there are people that I kind of view out there as the pied pipers. You know, they're going around and um, leading people um who might be heading on the path towards truth and they're they're kind of leading them away from that they're they're swinging them back um into an alternate route back into the germ theory or the contagion theory lie and that's kind of how I, I view that one it's um uh, kind of difficult to see it any other way I, I believe someone like Dr Malone is too smart to know that uh, or at least to believe in what he's saying I just Uh, I have have not seen it. Yeah, I can't, I mean, I believe it's pure controlled
0: opposition. The image I have, as we're talking about sheeple here, right, is that he's a shepherd and he's designed to herd people back into the herd, the whole, you know, herd immunity concept and germs and all of that, you know, it all goes together beautifully as a working analogy um, in many ways. So... It is what it is. But the reason I like to bring up names and name names, or at least, and I'm just talking about my opinion here. I don't have proof of anything I'm saying. I'm just just, like anyone else out there. I'm looking at all of this. But the reason I think it's important ultimately to name names is we are being harmed by specific individuals who have names. And if people are following those people blindly, and those people are not being put on the spot and held at least intellectually accountable for their actions, then we can't ever change what's
1: going on. You're absolutely right. Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. And so I, that's why people like Malone, um, uh, I believe, just like you said, most likely, you know, I can't prove this 100%, but judging or based on my intuition, my my gut feeling is they're more most likely controlled opposition. Yeah. They're put there for in that position for a reason. I mean, if he was really um, someone that they didn't like the message he was sending, he wouldn't get any airtime. Right, and, and controlled opposition, I wanted to I wanted to actually specify
0: the range of that term as I understand it, because you could have someone who's controlled opposition who's being controlled by one tier above where they are, and they have no idea who's above that. It doesn't mean that person is necessarily like an evil person. It just right. means that they, they have skin in the game. Maybe they're getting money. Maybe they're getting kickbacks. Maybe they're maybe they they're being bribed or their families being threatened and they're doing things for a certain reason. It doesn't mean they're at the top of the Illuminati, deep state, cabal food chain, and they're making right. all of these decisions to try to depopulate and control humanity. No, I'm not saying that at all. So you can be controlled opposition and still be a pretty nice guy, you know. When all is said and done, you're just making some bad decisions uh, for some dubious reasons.
1: Well, I believe doesn't i um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Maybe you don't know this, but I, I believe I heard he even has stake in it as far as like a, a alternative vaccination or something. I've like heard that. that. I, I don't have
0: proof of that, I, but I've heard exactly.
1: this. Yeah. And so that's, that's what I've heard. And so that always always makes me a little uh, skeptical of anyone who's got some sort of financial stake involved in uh, and, and trying to promote an alternative, you know, a safe vaccine. I don't believe there is any such thing as a safe vaccine. Right. And certainly there's no use for any v-
0: vaccine in a world where pathogens don't cause disease. I mean, that that also one of the reasons we can't get rid of the germ theory is it props up the entire big pharma vaccine, eugenics, depopulation, transhumanist order. Exactly. They're, they're not gonna let we that. Have, this fall. is why we have to bust this thing wide open, and people have to understand that, or or we will just keep spinning around and around. They will keep trotting out variant upon variant. know they're they've already they're already coming back around with hiv again and all of this is going on so you can see they're going to keep running this play because i I played football i was pretty good at football and i was a quarterback and you keep running the same play until they stop the damn thing that's perfect analogy win and that's what they're going to do until they win or we stop
1: them and
0: this is their main play this is their bread and butter as the saying goes
1: yeah. Oh, I agree. A hundred percent They They might just be giving, you know, us a break, as I said, um, uh, the CDC chief Walensky said that they're, they're going to give us a break from this for a little while, but they can always pull their tricks out whenever they want to.
0: The standards was just warning of that in Florida. He was saying, as soon as the midterms are over, they're going to be, especially in the blue states, they're going to clamp right back down with all the mandates and restrictions.
1: Oh, I'm sure. I mean, I, there, you're already, like you said, you're already seeing stories of like Delta Cron is the newest one. Um, they're already gearing up for um, another variant to come through and keep this emergency going. They're not, because once, once the emergency ends, there goes the tests, there goes the vaccines, there goes the treatments, anything that's out on emergency youth authorization, they can't legally keep it out there once that emergency is declared over. So, um, and I believe from what I uncovered, I think it's, coming up again in April like mid-April they're gonna um, either extend it or call it over and uh, they're not going to call it over they're going to find a way a reason to keep this thing going Um, because once they do they lose their profit they lose their control you know what's really wild is that you had
0: people in the alternative press and people who were looking at like devolution scenarios and what happened with the election and all that stuff who bend over backwards? They bend over backwards to explain away Trump's um, support of vaccines. I mean, I like some things that Trump has done, and I certainly like him better than than whatever that flesh puppet is in the <laughs> office. But um, uh, right oh, now, the resident. But um, but the the vaccine thing—it just broke something in me because vaccines nearly killed me. I have—I write about this in in my books. It, I was I was nearly a casualty of the vaccine wars, and um, so I know what these things can do. Even the older the older vaccines, you know, that, that I got back in the day. So, so anyway, yeah. you have people in that alternative community, you know, that I respectfully refer to sometimes as q who are, you know, convinced that you know trump is like some kind of savior and that he has every reason in the world to be you know pr- promoting the vaccines the way he's done and that they're they're going to never uh, get rid of the uh, emergency uh, status because that's allowing devolution to play its way out so that he ends up back in the white house i mean they will explain any of this crap away and just bend over grab their ankles and lean their head up against the wall for support because that's what they're doing relative to the deep state And they're doing it on behalf of us by perpetuating these
1: idiotic narratives. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because, yeah, that to me was um, I was never a Trump supporter to begin with. I, you know, um, I followed the Q thing. I I have family who are interested in that. And so I kept up to date with it. But the there's no justifying the vaccine. There's no justifying even if it's some sort of uh, end goal to um defeat the the deep state or something how many lives are being lost by allowing this continue to continue at this point point? and he was a uh, you know a huge uh supporter of the vaccines and, and um, bragging about his his administration uh with the warp speed program getting this stuff out there and um being able to get the tests out there and so um to me he's promoting the lie and and it, that's just taking people further from the truth. And the people that do believe in um, Trump will take his word and may, you know, will go get vaccinated or they will will continue believing in this scenario. And and uh, that to me that 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 was a big thing. It, you you just can't justify that. Yeah, that Too many a me lives problem.
0: Yeah, Yeah. because, you know, the justification of the justifiers was, well, this is keeping us out of kind of a hot war or a civil war. I'm like, well, why don't you just go ahead and have one of those? Because you might as well if we're going to just whack everybody with these vaccines, you know, let's just be honest about it and just just take out our aggressions on each other. if We're going to go down that road, you know, not this stealth psyop ad nauseum.
1: Yeah, I I think that's the conclusion I came to is it was just one giant psyop. That was being played on people raising their hopes that something was going to, you know, someone was going to take out the bad guys for them um, through Q, through Trump. Uh, And it definitely does not look like that is the direction it is going. It's keeping uh, people further from the truth, in my opinion. Yeah, i I, in that loop.
0: It's, it's weird because with the Ukraine stuff and I was just agree- really agreeing with what you were saying, you've got you know it's possible that that you have uh, Putin uh, stepping in and doing some house cleaning relative to Russian's own sovereignty and get you know making sure that their border is not you know sort of Cuban missile crisis. You know, and I understand all of those things, and, and maybe that's part of some bigger plan, maybe it's not, but they're certainly using, Russia is actively using the, the virus lie. Right. In what they're doing, and that throws up many, many red flags for me, because here, here we go again, you know, so everyone is somehow in on this massive lie that they keep using uh, to, to uh, distract us and to give us a kind of good cop bad cop scenario where we you know we we flip back and forth cognitively between these two poles and, and as they kind of waltz us into the apocalypse, you know it's yeah. really wild what they're doing. It's brilliant, but it's diabolical if that's what's going on. I'm not 100 saying that that I, that I know for sure or that I absolutely believe that that no good can come of this situation with Russia cleaning some house perhaps but all of that is just purely speculative at this point I just don't know where all of that's going
1: no I think that's the the point none of us can tell where this is all going they're keeping everyone um, distracted and confused um, divided you know you've got people arguing over every little thing and that's that's where they want us they don't want us uh, you know, questioning logically what's going on or, or digging any deeper. They just want us uh, arguing over um, left wing, right wing, uh, uh, virus, no virus. You know, they just want us continually distracted. But I think, um, you know, we have to uh, be able to push aside some of these other distractions and, and get to the root point, which is um, everything that has gone on over these last two years, is tied to this virus lie and so if we can bring it to me it's just a house of cards waiting to be tumbled you know the, those the the foundation is very flimsy and so we just need to keep hacking at it and we and we can get people uh awoke, awoken to to the
0: truth well, you are so on the front lines of that, and I mean, one of, like I said, one of the most important voices in in what's uh, what's going on in the resistance, you know, the 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 beneficent resistance, I suppose. The uh, the science truthers, if you want to call us that, um, I really really appreciate what you're doing, and I'm going to keep you know keep reading your blogs and learning from you and and sharing sharing that material. Um, I'd love to know, uh, you know, if you, if you want to share any anything else about what you're thinking, what you're doing, what you've got plans for, anything in the hopper, any any uh, forecasts or uh, uh, previews of what's uh, what's going to be happening in the near future. About what I'm going to be working on. Yeah, what you're working on, what you're looking at, uh, any or any projects or anything like that 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 the audience might be interested in.
1: No, no projects to announce uh, at this point, but. Um, as far as what I'm going to be looking into, I, I still plan to um, continue to uh, break down the original virus. Like to me, that was my my ultimate goal was to go through the main virus papers, like the original one, the original uh, source that claimed the existence of a virus, whether it was the measles virus or you know um, the coronaviruses. Uh, I'm currently looking at rhinoviruses. Um, and so I'm still going to go through and continue to break down the original papers so that people can see that the evidence does not exist in those original sources. Um, I still have quite a bit that I did in the past on antibodies, looking through the history, um, showing how that theory was created. Uh, I believe there's like five different theories, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've looked at it, but um, I went through uh, from like the 1800s all the way up to today. Um, kind of detailing that. So I do plan to get those updated and um, onto the blog. Um, and I've had requests, and since you brought it up, I, I am going to look a little bit more into the gain-of-function stuff, too, just because um, I think I am seeing, like you're saying, people are tending to fall into that trap again. And and so uh, it would be good to get something out there to help people realize that this is just another red herring, another distraction. Uh, they have to prove virus first before you can st- go and create something, a virus in a lab. They might be creating toxins, but they're not creating a virus. Right. Uh, you know, I want to just
0: point out that there are lots of rhinoviruses in our government right now. <laughs> right. Um, um, and in terms of gain, of gain of, uh, gain of function, uh, there's a Sam Bailey uh, video that I blogged, uh, Dr. Sam Bailey, um, yeah. uh, I'll get some, I don't know, a few weeks ago, and it's, and it's very simply titled Gain of Function Garbage.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I love she's very funny. She's
0: very, very funny. Oh, yeah.
1: She's been amazing throughout this whole her, her and her husband, Mark. They've been. Oh, yes. Um, both both, uh, um, you know, breath of fresh air. And, and I love her videos. They're they're funny. I wish I could do YouTube videos like that. That's what people have asked me to do. I'm like, if I knew how to create, you know, ideally, if I could do a YouTube video, it'd be something short, like, you know, three, four five minutes long. And it just highlight the absurdity of these papers. So that people could have, you know, show the humor and the the illogical conclusions that they're they're coming to, and and then also just to highlight the ridiculous um, experiments that they do, just the way that they torture animals, and and uh, you know, uh, show them the absurdity of it all. That that to me, and I think she she does such a great job of bringing some humor and levity to the situation, but she she presents the information. Um, in a way that's easy for people to understand. And and I, I credit both her and her husband. They've been uh, amazing voices throughout this and and helping people to to come to the realization that uh, things aren't what we're being told.
0: Right, and then and what you've been doing is really digging down in that, like I said, that scholarly, very intellectual way for that audience. But maybe there's a bridge, maybe what you're describing with a yeah. short video. You know, I, I, as you were talking, I saw an image of uh, those types of videos with somebody writing or looking at a paper and highlighting and scratching things out and underlining. Exactly. Just use like a hand yeah. and talk over it. Maybe with a little graphic popping up occasionally of a surprised face or uh, you know something like
1: that, and maybe that would work. Exactly. That that was kind of my idea. I'm like, uh, someone someone had asked me to do, uh, you know, like an hour long, talks or something like that. I'm like, no one wants to listen to me for that long. I'm, <laughs> I mean. I just don't, I, I don't know. I, I can write better than I can speak on this stuff anyways. Um, but uh, so I I was like, you know, for me, the a shorter people, unfortunately, nowadays tend to have shorter attention spans anyway. So, you know, short videos that can get the the main points along. And um, she, had, she has really good length, you know, around 15, 20 minute videos. And I just watched one today where at the end she had, um, virology uh, summed up in five seconds with, uh, I know it was brilliant. <laughs> yes, it was. And I was like, man, if I, <laughs> the, the ideas they come up with are just amazing. So, uh, I definitely appreciate their work, but yeah, that, that, that would be to me if I were to do something along those lines with YouTube, it'd be just short clips that really highlight the absurdity of it all.
0: Well if I run into anybody who has that skill set who would be a potentially good fit I'll I'll be happy to just put you two together and see if anything uh, comes of that if you're interested. That'd be awesome. Yeah. And and I'll okay. definitely I'll definitely let you know when I get this um this chat posted and um and uh, like I said I'll I'll keep I'll keep uh, promoting your work because it's really important Thanks. and I encourage everybody to go check out your your blog and uh, and really dig down into it spend some time with it.
1: Thank you. I really appreciate that. I've had a lot of fun talking to you.
0: Yeah, I had fun talking to you too. And I hope maybe we can do it again sometime. Maybe after some of the function stuff, we can chat again. I'd love to, you know, dig down into some of what you discover. Oh, yeah, definitely. That'd be great. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mike. Have a good evening. You as well. Thank you so much. Thanks.